Hope you're well today. I miss you and love you. So thankful that we get to be the church across the city. Uh, I want to continue the Prepare the Way series this morning. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost and the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no gift greater than the Holy Spirit. This morning, we want to look at the Holy Spirit making a holy church. This word holiness is so beautiful and inviting. We're primarily going to be looking into the passage Galatians 5, 16 through 24 in our home churches together. This is a season where the Spirit is working in the deep places of our heart. If we will pay attention, He's taking us deep. We've been talking about Jesus being jealous for a pure and consecrated and holy bride whose attention and affection is set on him. This is a season where he is asking us not to eject out of the tension, but to meet him and embrace him in this place. Holiness through repentance prepares us for revival. It also prepares the way for revival. But holiness through repentance, it does more than that. It is one of the central sustaining keys to preserving revival. And you could even say one of the central results of revival. I gave a message on March 7th, just before the stay in place order. And I want to encourage you to go and look at that message from March 7th, to dive in deeper. I take about an hour and walk through the scriptures all the way through God, uh, God's holiness from the beginning of Genesis to Revelation. I want to look at a verse to summarize that message that gives us the foundation for the message today. Uh, it is 1 Peter 1.15. It says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There's three parts there. God is holy, Father, Son, and Spirit. The second part is Jesus made a way for us to be holy. And the third part is the Holy Spirit gives us power to live holy. God is holy. Jesus made a way for us to be holy. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to live holy in all we do. We're going to focus most of the message on that part of the Holy Spirit this morning, the gift the Father has given us. But I do want to rewind just a little bit and look at God is holy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does that word holy mean? It can be a little perplexing. It is right the way through the scripture, and sometimes it's gotten a bad rap. The word holy means God is incomparable. He is utterly unique. He is wonderful and glorious and set apart. He is separated and completely pure. He's separated, but not in arrogance, but in superior excellence and even elegance. Holiness is God's utter uniqueness. He is the incomparable one. Oh, I love the holiness of God. Holiness is not an attribute of God. Holy is the word that describes all of God's attributes in one. 
We heard the seraphim, those burning angels, proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We received a word from heaven to help us describe all of God's grace and compassion and power and wisdom and excellence and transcendence and all wrapped in to this word, holy. Now, maybe you felt that word is bland or boring. Or maybe it feels like religious rule keeping. But I want to tell you, everyone who saw God said, it is beautiful. Holiness is the beauty of God. And we're invited into it. God is holy. And those that beheld his holiness never dreamed that they could become his holiness. Holiness looks just like Jesus. And this is the second thing. Jesus made a way for us to be holy. Hebrews 10.10 says this, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This holiness is Jesus' life given to us. Jesus' death given to us. Jesus' resurrection given to us. Nothing we could have done could have earned it, but we are holy because of Jesus. Jesus made a way for us to be holy. The third part that I want to spend the most time on as we unpack Galatians 5 is this third line, Holy Spirit gives us the power to live holy in all that we do. Holiness is to be like Jesus and live like Jesus. That is what this passage describes in what's called the fruits of the Spirit. That's what holiness looks like, just like Jesus, that we would become like him and live like him in all that we do. Love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is what holiness looks like, just like Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus, the one who is filled with love or joy or gentleness or self-control, resisting the enemy and resisting sin? I mean, every one of these words could be an entire series in itself. I mean, just take that word faithfulness. Oh, that God is always there for us, that he never leaves us, that he's faithful to his promise and he won't change. I love holiness, the fruits of the Spirit. We're invited into this today, this holy life, but how? Galatians 5 unpacks how. I want to give a summary of Galatians 5, 16 through 24. It talks about two desires, the desire of the Spirit and the beautiful fruit that comes out of the desire of the Spirit. And then the desire of the flesh and the damage that comes out of living in the desire of the flesh. And it says we are to walk in the spirit, but we are to crucify the flesh. That's the how of holiness, walking with the Holy Spirit. I want to go back to Galatians 5, 16 through 18, and we'll unfold this passage. But I say to you, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh 
are at war against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. We're going to look at these two desires juxtaposed against each other, the desire of the spirit and the desire of the flesh. What is the desire of the spirit? The desire of the Spirit, can you feel it right now? Can you see it in the earth? The desire of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus as King. When Jesus is King, we are settled in peace. When Jesus is King, joy is the result. When Jesus is King, justice fills the earth. Jesus as King is our highest good and our highest joy. The Spirit desires to make Jesus King. The Spirit's desire in you is trying to lead you into deep relationship with Jesus. And not just deep relationship and vital connection to Jesus, but then to transform all that you are into the likeness of Jesus, to conform creation to the image of the Son. This is what the Spirit's desire is in the earth and inside of our bodies where he lives. The Spirit is a real person living in us, and the Spirit cannot fail to bring forth the image of the Son Jesus in us. This is what mature love looks like that the Son Jesus is formed in us, the fruits of the Spirit that we talked about. The Spirit can't fail to bring this forth, but we have a choice and we can actually say no to the Spirit or yes. We wanna become a zero resistance home for the Holy Spirit. This is the prayer of my life that I would be found saying yes to the Holy Spirit as he is transforming me. The Spirit is making a patient masterpiece out of your life and my life. He is so good. And he alone, counselor, comforter, helper, can bring forth the glory of God in your unique personality and person. He's the ultimate maker of us, bringing forth the image of Jesus. He's loving us, you could say, into Jesus's image. 2 Corinthians 3.18 expresses this well. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Little by little, we're looking like Jesus. This is the desire of the Spirit. Now, what is the desire of the flesh? It's exactly the opposite. In fact, it opposes the desire of the Spirit. It's not just neutral. And in fact, if you're just drifting along, actually, Actually, the desire of the flesh is winning. The desire of the flesh is this, to glorify self as king. The desire of the spirit is to glorify Jesus as king. But, but the desire of the flesh is ravenous with an appetite to put self at the center and put self on the throne as king. What does this look like? Some translations say it's the cravings of the self-life or it's the compulsion of selfishness. Self at the center, self is king, looks like this. What I feel is real. 
I went through a whole time in my life where I just struggled. Emotions came in and they dominated me. If I felt something, it was reality. But we know that the ultimate reality is in our feelings, although I'm thankful for the gift of feelings. What I feel is real is when self is king, or what I think is best. We've heard this phrase in the culture right now, my truth. Jesus is truth. The Spirit desires to bring forth truth, but what I think isn't always best. In fact, it can't be on the throne of my life. Or what I want is first, that my desires go ahead of God and I sort of do what I want to do. What I feel is real, what I think is best, what I want is first. This is the glory to self. And when we give glory to self, this desire of the flesh, it leads to the damage of ourselves, but it also leads to the damage of others. That's the result. The desire of the flesh looks like my desire to self-provide or self-promote or self-protect, and it always leads to this reality of I self-destruct. I mean, each of those words you could unpack endlessly. What does it mean to self-provide the coping mechanisms? The desire of my flesh is to just feel comfortable and okay with where I'm at. I mean, we, we see this in all kinds of ways in our life. We, we try to work harder, replace God with good things, right? Um, this, this idea of self-providing, that, that I'll do it myself and enter into my strength. We've been looking at humility, depend on God as maturity. But we want to, the desire of the flesh is to self-provide or self-promote, to compete, to compare, to control, to perform, to earn our worth. Uh, man, I have been dealing with this really deeply. The Spirit has his finger on Adam's heart and I've been realizing my longing for significance. Well, this longing for significance, if it's trying to be found outside of God, it, it enters into this envy or rivalry uh, that I can have to, to compare myself with others and want their significance. Man, God, would you do something in our hearts in this place? He's also been putting his finger on this easily offended place that, that my ideas I take too personally and so I attach myself to the ideas rather than my identity to the Lord. I mean, what is the Lord putting his finger on with you? Is there any place of self-promotion where you seek significance or you compete or you're earning? What about this next area, self-protection? We may avoid others or, or seek approval or hide or abdicate or be passive. These are the places the Holy Spirit wants to come in and actually work. These are the desires of the flesh. And they end up where love isn't at work in us anymore. The desires of the flesh lead to the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are these, it says in verse 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I warned before that such things uh, for such things we do not inherit the kingdom of God. These seeds of the desires of the flesh, like I said, easily offended, that ends up leading to divisions and dissensions. These are the places the Spirit wants to come in. Now, what do we do with these warring desires, the Spirit's desire and the flesh's desire? Well, the, the last verse of this passage, verse 24, says this, 
And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But verse 16, the beginning of this, says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, I love this. He's saying, with the desires of the flesh, put them to death. But the way you do that is actually giving yourself to the desires of the Spirit. And how do we do that? I love this. We can have what the Spirit thinks, what the Spirit feels, what the Spirit desires. There's a person living inside of you who actually wants to enter in and touch those places within you that desire self-protection or self-promotion. And that Spirit has thoughts and feelings and desires and wants to lead you in your life. I love that God says, if you pursue the Spirit and walk by the Spirit, you won't do the other thing. We don't have to go figure out all the things that we're not to do. We just follow the Spirit and God begins to do it. The first thing I want to do is invite you into the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit to search us and to change us. Psalm 139, 23 says this, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to invite us, Naba, in this season to radically welcome the Holy Spirit with a prayer like this. Make me like Jesus, whatever that means. Make me like Jesus, whatever that means. Be gentle, though, Lord, and we know he is, but be thorough. Search me, God. The first place I'm inviting you into is to to walk by the Spirit is inviting the Holy Spirit in, in the deepest way to search you, no matter what that means to make you like Jesus. And then we'll begin to learn the difference between what pleases the Spirit and what grieves the Spirit. You start to feel that little bit of sadness when you do anything that isn't your best. You see, the one who lives in you only wants the best for you and actually feels grieved when we do anything less than the best for us. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We begin to learn the difference. It's not a science. It's becoming sensitive to the Spirit who's bringing forth the masterpiece of holiness in Christ. And then when we feel that sadness, we repent. We agree with the Spirit. We say, okay, I I receive that. I'm receiving that place of, okay, God, I'm finding my significance in others other than you. But Lord, be my significance. And we own it and we repent and we share with someone what's going on. We invite the Spirit We sense what grieves him, and then we begin to turn. Repentance is beautiful. Nava, let's let him search us. He's looking for holiness. And over time, little by little, the fruits of the Spirit are going to begin to pop out love and joy and peace. You may want to ask somebody, are you experiencing Jesus' fruits in my life? I want to close with this prayer. Will you pray with me? He is after a holy bride. Make me like Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in your jealousy and your zeal. Whatever it means, make us like Jesus. Search us, know us, and find within us whatever grieves you, and we bring it to you. We want to be holy as you are holy. Amen.